0: the AFTA podcast. My name is Naveed Zamani, and I am your host. I am taking over for Donna Carter, our previous host, and I'm very excited to be here with you all moving forward. Uh, Just a little bit of background history to my world and work. I'm an Iranian-American, cisgendered, heterosexual male who resides here in San Diego, California. I've been in the family therapy world for some time now and uh, much of my practice is dominated by what I would call a post-structural decolonial feminism using narrative therapy practices. I teach at San Diego State University as well as uh, head of clinical services at License to Freedom where we work with Middle Eastern refugees and immigrants who are experiencing domestic violence. So just a little bit to invite you into my perspective and lens. Today's session We'll be talking about with Gene Combs and his history in the family therapy work, what's recently been drawing his attention in that work, and some constructive criticisms of a post-professional family therapy world, and examining possibilities through reconsidering time, relationships, and Eurocentric assumptions of our practice. Holmes is a retired psychiatrist who is upset about what professional psychiatry has become over the 45 years since he was a certified to practice it. He's proud to be a teacher, author, and practitioner of narrative therapy, which he believes sees people in the world in much more compassionate ways than does the DSM-based medical model. His current interests are in how to help individuals, families, and communities resist the oppressive and disempowering effects of intertangled discourses such as white supremacy, neoliberalism, patriarchy, imperialism, Eurocentrism, homophobia, and climate change denial. Gene is also a board member of AFTA. I'm really grateful to you being here today, Gene. I met Gene and his ideas uh, as a young student in the MFT, marriage and family therapy world, uh, through his book, Narrative Therapy, The Social Construction of Preferred Realities, uh, his writing on narrative couples therapy, when I kind of moved into a private practice realm and was exposed to more couples therapy contexts, Gene uh, and Jill were both uh, guides for me in that process. And your more recent writings, that I, at least that I've been exposed to, around neoliberalism and white supremacy. Um, so I'm really honored and grateful to have you, Gene. Thanks for being here. I'm glad to be here. So, Gene, my hope here today was to kind of get a chance to talk to you and hear a little bit about what has been drawing your attention in your work
1: you know, I, I think what's drawing my attention is is the stuff that's been drawing my attention ever since I discovered family therapy as uh, something that was uh, a place where there was more juice going on than there was in the psychiatry program that I was a resident in back in the late 60s, early 70s. A- and at that time... Family therapy, if you went to a family therapy meeting, it hadn't become um, a profession yet. People didn't get degrees in marriage and family therapy, and it hadn't gotten all that professionalization that's happened over the last 30 or 40 years. It It was a place where people that were interested in the way in communication among more than one person. And in larger systems than individuals and in thinking about how psychotherapy works with couples and families and also there was a strong interest in in what was called community psychiatry back then uh, and what was called systems theory back then and I I think that's just been a a steady thread all the way through. I, I think we're in a time now where there's been a lot of influence on psychotherapy in general to make it more more focused on individuals, more focused on pathology, uh, and more focused on um, fixing what's wrong. And I think it's time to strongly counter all of those things. And, and, And in the writings you just mentioned, recently and and in what I'm trying to do, trying to educate myself about and trying to educate people that study with me more about and encourage us all to learn together about is um, how to think more relationally, how to think more about how to help each other in small steps, a little at a time, step into what's better rather than fix what's
0: worse. Um, How's that for a starter? I love it. I mean, what I'm kind of particularly drawn to is you mentioned the juice that was in the family therapy world, especially as you're kind of coming out of the psychiatric world, if that's a fair way to describe that. Yeah. I I guess I wonder if you could say more about the juice, because I have some sense of what you're talking about, but just to be explicit, and maybe how the flavor or color of that juice is changed in your experience
1: um well there really was a flavor in 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 those um pre-professionalization family therapy years um that, that that we were the um um constructive critics of what was going on in the world of psychotherapy and that we were where the action was. Uh, And and most of the people you would meet there would be also sort of involved in social justice ideas. And back then that would would have been anti-war and um, um, anti-racism and then early on the, there was the, the the feminist critique of family therapy that, that's had a very strong influence about you know power and patriarchy and 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 being sensitive to those sorts of things and i i, I just think that sort of constructively critical view is something i've always been attracted to i've i've i've, I've, I've never wanted to be i've always been Uncomfortable if I if if, if I've been th- thoroughly accepted and thoroughly in the center of, of, of any group I was in. <laughs> uh, I like to stand on the margins and critique a little bit.
0: Yes, it's a it's a fun place to stand. A lot becomes visible.
1: Yeah, but it can get lonely at times. And I I, I do I do think one of the things that's that I'm also interested in in these days, and that I think is really vital, is building community. I think the individual streak has gotten so strong in general European culture, uh, uh, Western culture, Northern Hemisphere culture, call it what you will, um, that that we really need to think about not being in competition with each other, but but building communities and building strong movements that... and Now that that's like a movement of movements so so that we we can have enough people working together to counter these things that are having horrible effects on families' lives and on on, on people's lives and and the, the, just the gross um, economic inequality that's there that that, that is is um you're just affecting so many of the people that come to see me in therapy, and um, and I think the only way we're going to undo that is to to work together and to keep building stronger and better networks among each other mm. to do that.
0: Mm.
1: Is that a sermon?
0: Uh, well, if it was, I liked it. So okay. I know what that says All right. <laughs> Well, if I could if I could just let me know, Gene, if this is a fair rendering of what you're saying, because I want to make sure I'm close to yep. how you're describing this. Sure. That like as you're kind of emerging in the psychiatric world and noticing this like juicy place called family therapy that's oh. pre-professional, mm-hmm. that's more invitational. Correct mm-hmm. me if, if I'm wrong of like a you said a constructive critic.
1: Yeah, and and you you would find in those early meetings, you you you'd find uh, social workers, you'd find psychologists, you'd find uh, psychiatrists, you'd find uh, like pastoral counselors. Mm-hmm. That, and but what 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 attracted us all was was we didn't like what was going on in the conventional world of psychotherapy, psychiatry and just, just helping professions at the time. We were trying to find something new.
0: Yeah, so I'm, I'm kind of imagining a context where you're looking around and you're with a very diverse set of professions, mm-hmm. particularly oriented, interested in a critique of the dominant culture of psychi- psychiatry and psychology, particularly as it relates to, well, let me know if this is fair, like the effects of professionalization, which is centering profits, uh, individual productivity uh it's easier to work with individuals it's easy to train working with individuals uh some of the eurocentric models that get privileged and centered and pushed forward really quickly is that a fair capture of some of that stuff yeah yeah so i guess I, I as i understand it, especially some of the readings i've done recently that you've done on neoliberalism there feels like a thread of critiquing economic models and just neoliberalism in your history is that fair yeah
1: Yeah.
0: i guess i want to take the opportunity this podcast to ask like why that why is that where your attention has been drawn to
1: um
0: if that's a fair question it's not because i
1: like (laughs) the word neoliberalism which i still imagine people giving big eye rolls when they hear the word uh it's one of those um easily misunderstood words because it says liberal in it. Uh And people think that that means like um, lefty kind of stuff, but it's about, it's, it's, it's about free markets, right? It's about liberal. um, uh, It's about giving those fat cats, oligarchs, liberty to screw us even more. Um, and it's and the emphasis is on making each individual a little corporation of one that's in competition with every other little corporation. And we're all blamed for the suffering that the inequality causes. And instead of any the people at the top of these hierarchies taking any of the blame for it. They they bring us each forth as stupid or lazy, or some combination of those things, or uh, immoral or not even human, uh, and push us harder and harder to to be efficient in generating more profits for them. Um, and I, I think that I think that where I th- think I'm not good in an interview like this uh in making it really clear is how that affects what shows up in a family therapist's office and how to have conversations with the people who come from it for help that are informed by that view but that aren't trying to turn everybody into an extreme socialist or right. something, but just, just having people examine the fact that maybe there's some larger things going on in the world that are causing the things that they're calling depression and anxiety and burnout. Right. And that they're not individually responsible for that.
0: Right. So and if this is a okay way to put it, like in other words, at the – the solution to all problems is the marketplace and all the things you described as necessary requirements of the marketplace. And I guess I'm fascinated by your interest in this because as I have come to experience my own work in the therapy world,
1: mm-hmm.
0: is that therapy is, I mean, I can't imagine a pre-professionalized family therapy world. So I'm appreciating some of the history of access to here because I was born into it as like, Therapy is part of the marketplace of healing this thing we call mental health. And if mm-hmm. you want therapy, well, you better be ready to either deal with insurance, shell out a bunch of money from your pocket, uh, or go through some criteria based nonprofit thing, which there's a lot of strings attached to even get mm-hmm. access to the services. Mm-hmm. Um That stuff like you said, like it's in the, um, at least in the United States culture that I'm aware of, it's an extremely polluted terrain. And it's very contradictory with like the words liberalism and conservative and socialist. All these words get floated mm-hmm. around and no one's really clear what we're talking about.
1: Right, right.
0: How, and if you don't like this question, let me know. But I'm curious, like, what was it in your context? I could tell you I heard, like, like this question before you? <laughs> I'm curious about like what the context was in which you were like, this thing is so influential. It's also really hidden in some ways. Like it's hard to notice it. And then when you notice it, it's everywhere. At least that was my experience. Um, how was your attention drawn to it to even like care about it in your work? Cause you could, I mean, Gene, correct me if I'm wrong. You could be making a lot of money off of this neoliberal marketplace <laughs> and not critique it. No, I couldn't.
1: <laughs> I couldn't live with myself. Uh, I've never been able to live with myself about that stuff. I, 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 you know, if, if you want me to answer that honestly, I, I, I think it has to do with, I, I, I believed the stuff I was taught in Southern Baptist Sunday School. Um, the, the, the things like God is love. And it's easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than it is for a rich man to enter the kingdom of heaven. Uh, and I, I don't know why all the other people that were in that Sunday school with me didn't, didn't believe it either, <laughs> or seem to have forgotten it along the way. Um, uh, so so that, that's one answer to what you're talking about. Another is, is um, you know, there's this stuff that gets called narrative therapy. that that I've been involved in for 30 years now, I guess it's had a name, something like that. Um, That a a central piece of which is looking at the the discourses that um, shape the norms we live by, the standards we live by. The, 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 the larger stories in the culture that, that, that tell us what's possible, what's not possible, what's right, what's wrong. Uh, and um, but another piece of it has to do with, for a long time, I've worked, I worked in settings with very marginalized people. Um, for, well, maybe 20 years, I worked in various clinics on the south side of Chicago, through uh, Cook County Hospital and related clinics. And um, I I just, it it brought home to me every day, the economic injustice that people were dealing with, and so much of what they were being sent to psychiatry, or psychotherapy to deal with, was, was problems that were caused by racial and or economic and or other marginalization not not being able to fit into that capitalist culture not 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 having an educational system that would would give them access to being brought forth as real people in the culture um so I, all of those things kind of come together mm. and then like i saw know somewhere Maybe eight years ago, I just I, I got interested in, out of all that, said, I'm going to read some economics, uh, because I don't know a lot about it. And I started reading fairly deeply uh, in economics. And the more I read, the more I, it just got obvious to me that there was this stuff Going on in the world that, that was about resource extraction, and, and and I mean you can do that. You can think about that globally about the way um, the global North or the West, however we refer to that, uh, has extracted um, resources, both actual human bodies in the form of slavery, or just or diamonds or gold. Uh, from the Global South and made huge profits off of it. And or or you can take that individually, just north side of Chicago, south side of Chicago. And and, and the way the banks are set up to get people indebted and to keep them indebted and um, to make huge profits off of that. Um, And again, I I sound to myself like a raving lunatic sometimes when I get started about this stuff. But it's just really upsetting to me in terms of the effects it has on the families that show up for family therapy services or for psychotherapy. The the, the things that get called in a usual medical clinic, depression Mm -hmm. or anxiety or substance abuse, or uh, I I do think there's been a slight usefulness in the the diagnosis of post-traumatic stress disorder. It at least locates the fact that a lot of things that have people have symptoms, so-called, uh, has to do with, with, with stress that they're having to deal with. And that that, that has been a, a useful turn in, in recent years about um, the way even medical people within the medical model mm-hmm. are conceptualizing part of what's going on.
0: Right. Yeah, the challenge of the useful criteria that's constructed, too, is how it gets into various systems I'm thinking about my own experience with running doing psychological evaluations for mm-hmm. asylum seekers or vawa and mm-hmm. we're using PTSD to legitimize an experience for border patrols interpretations mm-hmm. of an experience
1: yeah it's, um, it's a it's a useful label since you've got to have a label to provide exactly. treatment. it's a more
0: useful and slightly more accurate label than some of the other ones I think right Well, I'm appreciating the word useful because it kind of steps away from an evaluation and into a, uh, something that's responding to a particular reality, Mm -hmm. I suppose. Mm -hmm. So, Gene, if I ever ask you a question that you don't want to follow up on, don't feel any pressure to. Um, I'm not so familiar with Chicago, I'll be completely honest. Mm -hmm. I know that they have hot dogs and deep dish pizza, um... But I'm drawn to what you're talking about, the south side of Chicago Chicago, um, and some of the work you were doing there. And I guess I was wondering, especially in the spirit of what you were saying um, earlier about thinking relationally, helping each other in small steps, fixing what's better. as Some perhaps ethics you hold, if that's a fair way Mm -hmm. to put it. Mm -hmm. Um, What is this attention to like the neoliberalism, the economic injustices, problems caused by racial, economic and other marginalizations what has that made possible for you as a family therapist to be attending to that stuff? Or maybe not just for you, but like the work you're doing with families.
1: <laughs> it's, uh, it's, 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 it's given me more texture to my grief, mm. given me a deeper understanding of the things I'm frustrated about in our world. Uh, and, and I, I say that partly ironically, but the, <laughs> I, th- I think usefully, it's helped me um, join people in their suffering uh, in a in a way that's more resonant and more useful. I, I think if, if if I if I try to be useful to them, um, and I'm looking through the lenses of a DSM or, 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 or conventional psychiatry that's going to want to fix it with a pill or a procedure, uh, then I'm, I'm not going to to be thinking about these social determinants of what's going on. Uh, and um, it, it makes a real difference, I have found over the years, to, to just – Convey through the questions I ask, through the things I'm, I'm interested in as I sit with people, that, that I'm interested to know about their day-to-day struggles. That I'm interested to know the a fact, about the fact that they'd like to be eating a better diet, but but there's no grocery store within their whole neighborhood where they could buy better food, and and the food they can buy costs twice as much as it would in the suburbs. Um, I don't know if that's responsive to your question.
0: It fits fits for me. I mean, honestly, the question is selfish, which I think all my questions are, because in some ways, if you're a raving lunatic about this stuff, I don't even know what that says about me, but I'm also a raving lunatic uh, in terms of my anger and grief in consideration of these ideas. Um, But I really resonate with you, too, that I think there's a way in my work with immigrants and refugees by like being in some sort of just consideration of the effects that this have, which just saying consideration is such a light thing to say, but I'm saying, cause just that feels radical mm-hmm. sometimes in our work in a field mm-hmm. where you're honed in on the individual internal experience of someone and the politics mm-hmm. are stripped out of that experience, like mm-hmm. depression or grief, or even you saying PTSD is useful because it just forces people to consider context. Like, mind blower Um, so I I guess I guess I'm appreciating the way as I'm understanding it that like having access to these ideas to these broader discourses and the way that they're shaping experience allows for a connection a way to like be aligned with somebody's story of suffering story of oppression story of resistance in a way that maybe is more fair Mm -hmm. or fuller I don't know what word you would use there
1: I'm big on useful. <laughs> yeah, useful. I like that. Uh, but resonant um, um, offers for a richer joining with people and their struggles, I think. Um, as I'm looking at you and I'm thinking about this, I'm... I, I, uh, this may sound like a loose association, but I, I, I'm i remembering a question you asked a year ago that still rings big for me. And the, the question was, is it possible to have a decolonialized conversation in English? Hmm. Um, and that somehow relates to and brings in another strain of, of what we're talking about here is is how to How for somebody like me, who comes from the culture that invented neoliberalism, that invented the rape of the southern hemisphere, um how, how can I is it possible for, for me to un to really understand people like the immigrant population that you that that you work with and and um and what's involved in ha- having your ears tuned so that you can really hear what people who are less fortunate than you, or less have less access to the privileges of whiteness and Europeanness and the right kind of education, et cetera, uh, and, and that, that's really what I'm interested in these days is, is trying to. to learn enough about that myself that I can share it with other helpers that are, that, that are coming up. Because um, that's, that's the way I would know to do a little bit while I'm still here on this planet to maybe help it be a better place.
0: Yeah, my heart feels full and heavy and all t- types of things, Gene, as you're talking about this, because in my own world, I don't know the answer to that question. Because uh, even <laughs> even with like the middle class position I hold, the American yeah. social location, the male social location, multiple locations of power that I occupy. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I guess I want to, well, for anyone listening to this, in the future it's the early half of 2022. So I guess I want to locate time because I want to ask you this question of like, how are you wrangling with that question right now, Gene, in your work? Um, And I ask that because I've flipped between hope and nihilism between that and that question.
1: Well, I, I, I've actually been uh, really, really influenced recently by, um, people that uh identify themselves as uh prison industrial complex abolitionists uh people like uh Miriam Kaba and um uh, uh, Dean Spade and um uh who else uh Ruth Wilson Gilmore these are people that are that are are working um to imagine and bring forth a world, eventually, someday, uh, that's where, where uh, punishment is not the way we deal with deviant behavior or, or problematic behavior. Um, and they're not thinking that they're going to un- do away with prisons tomorrow. So in their writings, they, they, they just do the best job of any, anybody I'm reading lately of um, holding on to hope and holding on to a, a grand idealistic vision of where they wanted the world to be eventually. While taking just the smallest steps locally and looking for where where can I take a takeable step in my location in my town in my in the with the people I know that would be a step and, and it, a lot of it has to do with what they call mutual aid and with stuff under um, what, let's get out from under these paternalistic NGOs. And 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 corporate control of where the the well-intended money goes, and let's just help each other. And let's let's don't make money what we're thinking about. Let's 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 think about what what do we need in this community right now, and how can we help each other bring more of that into this community. And. I mean, in response to the question you originally asked, that got this out of me. Miriam Kompas says hope is a discipline. Mm. Um, and I, I think that's a useful way to think about hope. Um, so when I start to get overly pessimistic, I, 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 I'm more and more recognizing, wait a minute, this there, you need to... Have some discipline about this. If you if, if if you care, you can't stop. Um, somebody else in that movement, um, some other woman, I'm uh, I'm not, not going to remember her name right away. Talks about feet in the
0: mud, eyes on
1: the stars.
0: Say more about that.
1: Well, that's just a nice metaphor to me. I mean, I mean, we're, we're wading through really muddy times right now, and it's a slog, and it and it's messy, and it and it doesn't feel good. Uh, but that doesn't mean the stars have gone away, and that doesn't mean that we can't keep our eyes on um, some beautiful stuff that's right there if we just look at it, and and we can we can move toward that.
0: Um, the idea of discipline really fits in the metaphor you shared, like what it would take to keep your eyes up and on the stars as you're slogging through some mud. Mm -hmm. It also strikes me that there's a bit of humility necessary for that stance too, Jean, correct me if I'm wrong to acknowledge that like we have, we may have these broad grand hopeful visions of the future that I think are useful, Mm -hmm. necessary propellers uh, towards an imagined preferred reality. Mm -hmm. Uh, And um, knowing that like there isn't that much we can do at that grand scale as one person that maybe that's a myth of some of the things we're critiquing that I it. Yeah,
1: yeah I, I think a, another thing I've been thinking a lot about lately is time and and Western time European time versus uh, indigenous time um, and um, just this notion of progress. Uh, as opposed to cycles. Um, And um, I think we can get pressured to have something happen, to have a five-year plan and have to stick on the plan and to be very disappointed if if the plan we made were a year down the track and it's not working out that way. I'm, I'm much more drawn these days to very short cycles of of emergence and what's right here in front of us and did that step we just took get us where we want to go or not and do we need to alter the very next step we're taking is a piece of it, to have patience, to not be time pressured and also to realize that it's going to come back around. It's it, it it it's not, you know. Maybe maybe some of this collapse of the culture of, of capitalist culture is 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 a good thing, uh, eventually. And maybe it's got to be torn down. Uh, maybe it's got to die a bad death before some new world can come forward. I'm I mean, I, don't, I don't mean that as a prophecy. I don't know what's going to happen, but. Um, just not getting discouraged because the plan I made yesterday is not the appropriate plan for today, if that makes any sense at all.
0: makes a lot of sense in a lot of different contexts for me, whether it's surfing or gardening or group therapy, anything where a good plan needs to be ready to be chucked out the window.
1: I think surfing surf, is a metaphor that comes back to me a lot. I've never surfed, really, body surfed a little bit, I guess you could say. But uh, uh, just catching a wave and riding the wave, and you you, you, you can't control that. You've got to flow with it, yeah. um, and, and, and learning to, to do that. Uh, um, I guess those those are the other metaphors that I would want to get on the table in this conversation, I guess, is just... just um, not thinking so much in terms of things and thinking more in terms of relationships. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's an, an, another piece of the individualism, not individualism, but 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 really, um, really fuzzing out the edges of what's an individual, right. and, and and realizing that that you know you're you're part of me, and I'm part of you right now. And we're bringing forth something in this conversation that's not exactly what was there before. And, and, and um, you know, I, I'm, I'm, I'm in a particular universe when I'm sitting here having a conversation with you that involves AFTA, that involves our mutual friend, Marcela Polanco, that involves a world of ideas and Things that's not the same world or universe, or I'm not the same person when I go downstairs and feed my cats in the kitchen, you know? Yeah. Uh, but, and, and to learn to flow with that and, and it actually is a way to help people in psychotherapy to, <laughs> to notice that change is happening all the time and to, to, to roll with the changes and work with people to notice the changes and to, to pick the changes that they want to stick with and to pick the relationships that help them stay with those changes.
0: Yes. Yeah. I, I can't understate. I always messed it up. Oversight? Whatever. It's very important <laughs> to name the uh, the relational piece in the sense that like so much gets obscured by the individualism. I mean, in the domestic violence world I'm in, there's this cycle of violence that everyone's familiar with, where there's mm-hmm. like the perpetrator pulling uh-huh. wow. the victim along the cycle, mm-hmm. and just coming to learn that like relationships can be toxic and pull both people or however many people are involved along,
1: mm-hmm. and the
0: relationship is a cycle, not the mm-hmm. t- I don't know. So there's some ways that even however many years later I'm like still uncovering individualism stuck snuck into my work and I. Well, it's uh,
1: it's not the way. I don't know. I mean, you had a different education than I did. But it's—I it's, was every bit of education I had was counter to that. I, it's a huge unlearning right. to think in terms of relation, to really think relationally.
0: Yeah. So, Gene, I uh, just want to be mindful of time. But I, and I want to ask a question that's laden with a couple assumptions here. Because one of the questions that I wanted to ask you that I'm not going to, but just to make visible, is like, what have been some small steps or like acts of practice that you've been in that have been keeping you connected to the stars and the hope and the movement through the mud? But I don't want to ask that because my experience and history with that question is it starts to create a social justice Olympics energy of like who's justicing harder. So rather, and I'm will i just going to put it on the table in case you do want to address that question. But I know you're involved in a lot of mentorship training contexts. I think you teach still? Mm -hmm. I guess I was kind of wanting to like pluck at that and wonder about that type of relationship and influence you have and how some of these critiques that necessarily, or maybe not necessarily are connected to like pessimism or some way of looking at the world, but also necessarily requires a grasp of hope. How do you, how do you manage those conversations or how do you invite people into that world of considerations Especially as they are trying to do this neoliberal thing called family therapy. <laughs> well,
1: I, I, in answer to your first question, I, 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 you do remind me that I haven't mentioned Jill Friedman once in this conversation.
0: I'll and take responsibility I, I, for that. I, I, could,
1: I could not do anything that I do without my relationship with Jill. Mm. She's my partner in all things, and we we have a wonderfully complementary relationship uh and uh a whole lot of what's come out of my mouth wouldn't be coming out of my mouth in this conversation if if she weren't in my life and I weren't thinking out loud about this stuff all the time and and i i think all of us need to have and i could name other people but that i you, you don't want to go down that path here but, <laughs> Shout out to the whole web of relationships that support me and help me feel sane and help me help me also know when I'm leaving, getting off the path that I want to be on, and those are important. Uh, and I, I guess in terms of teaching or or you know teaching is such a bad word. It's like it, 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 uh, it's like pouring knowledge in an empty. <laughs> yeah you know, I, I like to think about learning together mm-hmm. um, and uh, i, I, I get, and i i like to think of 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 what yeah you know, what at its worst turns to could turn to pessimism with me as as constructive as a constructive critique moment by moment of um what am I being guided by in this moment? What am I assuming in this moment that uh, it would be better if I didn't assume? What am I not noticing yet? How, how can I keep learning more about these um, discourses, cultural stories, uh, layers of power relationships, whatever you want to call all that stuff, these, these webs of constraints and and, and and educational systems blah 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 what, what what how how can i keep noticing how i'm getting caught up in pieces of that that it would that, that are keeping me from seeing better possibilities that are feeding pessimism or making me feel unnecessarily constrained mm. and how how can we together help each other um, see a little, little better through that fog, see possibilities that we're, we're not quite seeing yet. Um, and I, I, don't think any of us can do that by ourselves. Uh, so I, I, I try, I try when I'm trying to share what I do know, um, to make that very prominent part of what's being shared uh, and to, to to figure out how to create contexts where that's going on in richer and um, um you know more disciplined in a good way ways.
0: That makes sense. It does to me. Okay. I guess one way I'm interpreting here is how to to necessarily like raise a lovingly raise an eye eyebrow Mm and taking for granted assumptions, ideas, practices, institutions, whatever. You really need a whole team, community. Absolutely. To do that with. It's got to be a group of people raising their eyebrows together and mulling it over.
1: Yeah, and developing the kinds of relationships where, where while preserving each other's dignity and respecting each other, you can say, that was fucked up, man. You know, um,
0: and there's a discipline necessary for that practice to raise your eyebrow with love in community, yeah. maintaining dignity and respect and connection like that does not happen. It does not just happen, I suppose. I think it takes a set of shared oh, ethics no. and practices. No, and I I,
1: don't, I feel like I'm, I feel like I'm a rank beginner uh, at, at really knowing how to do that. I celebrate the fact that that, that I know a little bit about it and that I've discovered it as something I want to keep learning more about in community. But it's just, as I think, as I said earlier in this conversation, it's a huge unlearning to to bring forth that kind of space.
0: Well, Gene, I'm super honored to be in that community in some ways with you. So thank you for... Conversation. Welcome, you. Would not be guess. the
1: same community without you?
0: Means the world to me, Gene. Anything that you would wish I had asked or you had spoken to as we kind of wrap up here? I could go on like
1: this forever. No, it, <laughs> it feels
0: like plenty for, for one conversation. And you
1: and I, outside of this podcast, will have others. I'm sure.
0: Yes, I really hope so. I look forward to it. Well, and I'm grateful to After Creating a Context one of the contexts in which we get to connect and meet and Me too. Um, shout and yeah.
1: out to AFTA for making this possible.
0: Yes. Shout out to a- AFTA. Well, Jean, thank you so much for joining us. Um, for those listening, Jean's information is available on the AFTA website and you can look him up. he has got a lot of good writing and just an overall great human being. So thanks for your spirit and your heart, Jean. It's motivational, informative, helpful, influential in my work. Um, Yeah, thank you. You're welcome. Thank you.
1: And bye-bye.